Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? I want to give a quick shout out to uh, God's House of Hope. Are you in the house? Oh, they separated you guys. And then, of course, we have the mission in the house normally. Are you guys in here? Yeah, there you guys are. Okay. These are ministries that we sponsor and believe in and, and, and want the best for, and we pray for often, and we thank God for them. So if you hear a little more rowdy than normal, that's what's going on. They're in the house. One more time, God's house hoping to mission. Let me hear from you. <laughs> for anybody that's new to our church, and you're like, man, this place is so loud. I know, I can't stop it. I don't know. Today we are uh, continuing a series entitled uh, Soul Food, a recipe for peace in an, anxious, in an anxious world. And I recently heard the story of a young accountant that was putting in applications for a new job. And after many applications he submitted, he connected with a young business owner and the young business owner called him in for an interview. And uh, the young business owner said, well, if you, you know, I'd love for you to start. I need you to help me with my books and my accounting. And then I need you to help me worry. I need to help, you need to help me worry. And the young accountant was like, uh, what do you mean help you worry? He goes, I just carry so much around here. Can you just help me, help me worry? And the accountant looked back at him and said, I, I think I can do that. What's the starting rate? He said, $75,000 a year. The young accountant said, that's amazing, how are you gonna afford to pay me being a small business? How are you gonna afford me to pay me $75,000 a year? And the young business owner looked back at him and says, that's for you to worry about. <laughs> they say two out of three of, of Americans struggle with anxiety or worry on a consistent basis. Studies will show that people are more anxious than they have ever been People are struggling with fear in record numbers. People are fighting in their minds. We are battling depression. And right now in our world, people are searching for peace, healing, hope, and joy. And uh, I want you to understand something from the outset that I am not a, I'm not a psychologist, I am not a, a trained counselor, I am a pastor. I preach the word, I, I, I feed the sheep, I do what God called me to do, and, and we are believers in counseling, and when people need that assistance in their life, we don't over-spiritualize it and say, if you love Jesus more, you wouldn't need a counselor. That's not true, everybody. Amen, talk back to me. And so we really do want you to, to prosper as your soul prospers. We want your interior life to be well, and there may be times where you need to meet with somebody who is a, a trained professional. And so one thing we do offer here at our church is called, it's a ministry resource we call Vibrant Cares. And this is what we offer to all of you for healing and growth and for those who are looking for help. Uh, we have trained lay counselors that are uh, trained in biblical truths and also psychological insights. And I wanna let you know that we offer all this to you and I told this last week, but you can't tell nobody, okay? It's a secret between you and I, okay? For free. We want you to, to just, if you need that extra assistance in life, you feel stuck, you're working through things, we would love to meet with you and help you along your journey in life. So you can go to the Connect Center, there's some things out, or you can go to our website, and uh, you can look into that if that's something you feel that you need to look into, because we do believe in spirit, soul, well, somebody, but not all of it, because I definitely love Hanks. Amen, everybody? Okay. So, last week we, we, used a, um, we used an anchor verse to start out, and we're gonna use it again this week, Philippians chapter four, verse six. Uh, Paul is writing a letter from a prison cell to the Christians in the Roman colony of Philippi, and he says, uh, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then, everybody say then. <clears throat> you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace, somebody say his peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is informing us that if we want to live in freedom from worry and anxiety, and if we want to have the peace of God that passes human understanding, there are some steps that we find in this passage. In this quick, brief synopsis found in Philippians, I believe there are ingredients. And we're really discussing three separate ingredients for the next, last week, this week, and next week. And when we spoke last week, we talked about the first ingredient that Paul lets us know about how to have peace in an anxious world is simply this, pray first. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So Paul is letting us know that when we feel anxious or when we feel worried or when we feel fear or when we feel insecurities, the first thing we should do is pray. And we talked a little bit last week that prayer shouldn't be our last line of defense, but rather our first line of offense. We learned that Caroline Leaf uh, taught us that in 12 minutes of daily focused prayer for an eight-week period, the change in the brain can be so evident to the extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. That not only when we pray does it touch the heart of God, but it also changes the chemistry of our brain the way God designed it. God designed us to pray, everybody. And so if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And so we discussed that last week. I want to go a little further and talk about the second ingredient. So if you're taking notes, last week was pray first. This week is praise often. Praise often. Philippians said, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It says to thank him in one translation, in all things. Meaning that despite bad things happening, you can still find good things that you can praise God and thank him for. Am I talking to anybody? Studies will show that one of the remedies for depression is just taking time and looking at what you do have instead of focusing on what you don't have. Because the reality of it is that you cannot be grateful and unhappy at the same time. It's almost like two rails in life, I heard one pastor explain, that you have good times and you have bad times at the same time. Am I right about it? It's, it's the reality of it is you never have a time when things are all so good and no bad and things that are all bad and there is no good. There is always something that you and I could be working on when things are good and there are always something that you and I could be thankful for when things are bad. Am I talking to anybody? And so, just so we know from the outset, Paul is letting us know that, that there are some things that you can thank God for despite the situation and anxiety and worry and depression you may be feeling. It's like the story I heard of a woman that was going to the counselor. And uh, week after week, she was going and paying him a lot of money. And finally, he told her, hey, I want you to go to Niagara Falls. I want you to book for three or four nights. I want you to go sit at the bottom of the falls. Only leave when you got to eat and when you got to sleep. I want you to stay right there and then come back to see me. Well, the lady was like, there's no way. I pay you so much money that I'm going to go to the bottom of Niagara Falls, spend my hard-earned money, and just stare at water falling off a rock. And he informed her, he goes, well, the reality of it is, every time I meet with you, all you do is talk about your failures, your dreams, your guilt, your shame, and what you need to see is something bigger than yourself. He told her that a restored perspective is among the most important ingredients in the prescription each of us need to get well. He was letting her know that you can still be thankful. I need you to see this a little differently. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in the Amplified Bible says, In every situation, no matter what the circumstance, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In every situation, 
and in every circumstance, be thankful, give God thanksgiving, and praise. So when things are good, we praise him. When things are bad, we praise him. When the money's in surplus, we praise him. When the money's a little tight, we praise him. In every situation and in every circumstance, we give God thanksgiving and praise. You know what I just done was read the Bible to you. I feel like you're already like, there's no way this is accurate. If you were listening, all I did was read scriptures. Letting you and I know that in every situation that we face, we have a requirement to be thankful and to give God honor. So now, if you're me, when you read this, we discussed even last week the same thing. Paul says this in Philippians, one of his letters to the churches that he planted. And, and, and when you read it, it, it's one thing for people to talk tough in a... <laughs> talk tough in a letter, but do you do it in your life? You ever talk to somebody and thought, you talk real tough over text, but if we were eye to eye, come on, you know that's the truth. I know that's the truth. Everybody's six foot four and 500 pounds on a text message, and then you go eye to eye and they get weak on you. Well, here's the thing. Paul is writing it, and I ask myself, Paul, have, have you ever done this? Have you ever had to praise God in moments when you felt worry? I mean, you're just telling us in Philippians the reality of, of, of what we should do, but have you ever practiced it? Last week we talked about praying and we looked back and found that Paul under severe pressure got on his knees and prayed with the church in Ephesus. Well, this time we're dealing with the church in Philippi and he's telling them, hey, like, you need, you need, to, you need, to, you need to praise well, have you done this, Paul? Well, in my research, I begin to look at a place called uh, Acts chapter 16. The Bible lets us know that Paul goes into a city. He goes in preaching, and when he's uh, walking around, there's a demon-possessed girl telling him that he's amazing, he's awesome, he, and he gets greatly annoyed with her, and the Bible says he turned around and cast the devil out of her, right? That's... This is, this is a good preacher right here. Casting the devil out of people that are just telling him on Facebook, great sermon on Sunday. <laughs> Cast the demon out of this woman. And, and, and watch what happens. The Bible lets us know that she was sort of a witch. She was used by demonic powers to prophesy demonic insights. And to, she was a seer. She was a psychic. And she was being pimped out by a bunch of guys in the community that was making money on her spiritual demonic gift. But when Paul turned around and cast the devil out of her, those men panicked and said, we have lost all of our resources. We lost all of our resources. And so what happens, Acts chapter 16, and the multitude arose up together against them and the magistrate rent off their clothes talking about Paul and Silas, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately somebody say immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed if you were listening close the Bible lets us know that Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey and when they did something that culture didn't like they were persecuted for preaching and proclaiming and doing the works of Jesus on the earth. And so the Bible says that they tore their clothes, they beat them, 
Jewish legal tradition gave a maximum number of blows that could be delivered when beating a person, but they were not being beaten by Jewish uh, legal counsel. They were being beaten by Romans who had no limit. Threw them into the inner prison, which is like maximum security, fastened their feet in stocks. Stocks was a wooden uh, plank kind of thing that had two holes like you would see at like Six Flags over uh, Georgia. I don't know what's down here. And they, you know what I'm talking about? That kind of thing. Well, what they would do is they would put their feet in them and they would spread their legs apart just enough that they could cramp. And they would set them in a prison cell and the Bible says they were in there through the evening. The Bible says it was around midnight. I want you to understand something today. We're talking about recipe for peace in an anxious world. I think if you and I were honest, life can bring us to midnight moments. Life can bring us to midnight moments. And the reality of it is midnights don't care if you have money or you don't have any money. Midnights don't care if you're from Columbus or you're from Caledonia. Midnights don't care if you're from Mississippi or Alabama. Midnights don't care if you're black or you're white. Midnights don't care if you have a good school in your district or a bad school in your district. Midnights don't care about your background or your heritage or your ancestry. Midnights just can come to anybody. The Bible lets us know that it rains on the just and the unjust. There's a, there's a couple in our church, and I'm not sure if they're here today or at this service, uh, but a few weeks ago in Amory, when the storm came through, they lost their house. Trees down, parking driveway, they told me, is totally twisted and turned, and, and they lived, thank God, their family's okay. But those are midnights nobody expects. Life can take us to a place. Life has a way of bringing us to places that are uncomfortable. Life has a way of bringing us to the, to the cell, if you would putting us in shackles, putting us in a jail cell, and help making us wonder. Lindsay, I hope this chair holds me before I, I never sat on it. But life has a way of bringing us to moments where we find ourselves in a dark, almost like a prison cell. The old church used to say, trouble in my way, I have to cry sometimes. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? The old church is trying to inform us that there will be midnights that come your way. And, and I think if we were honest, there's divorcees sitting in cells like this. Uh, there's single moms and there's dads and there's business owners that find themselves living with bankruptcy and there's teenagers dealing with fights and struggles that we're not even aware of. There, there's things going on in the lives of people in the room or joining us online that you find yourself sitting in a jail cell, find yourself in a place of anxiety and worry and stress and a hurt and question and you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do. What do you do in midnight moments? Where do you go in midnight seasons? Where do you go? What do you think? What do you pray? What? The Bible says that Paul and Silas, while they were in their midnight moment, uh, we have a choice to make. And while they were in their anxious, they're beaten, they're battered, they're bloodied, they're forgotten, they're imprisoned, they're mocked. No doubt the anxiety is high. No doubt the, the questioning is high. No doubt their self-doubt is high. And while they are in the prison cell, the Bible says, and at midnight, the darkest point of the evening, the Bible says they prayed. Ingredient number one, they just started praying. They just started talking to God. And the next ingredient that they brought into the story, the Bible says they sang praises unto God. In the middle of a midnight moment, the Bible says that Paul and Silas had a choice. Paul, how could you sing at midnight? 
How could you have a praise in a cell where people have forgotten you? I thought you were called to the ministry. I thought it'd be up and to the right. I thought the stadiums would be full, and I thought you'd get a book deal, and I thought you'd be preaching conferences, but here you are. How could you sing at midnight? No doubt your life has turned out in a way you didn't expect. And imagine being him. And being asked that question in his mind, maybe even by other prisoners, and in the mind of Paul, maybe, just maybe, you can think about Paul flipping in his mind to what we would call Acts chapter number 9. You see, Saul was his name originally, and the Bible says that one day he was walking on the road to Damascus, and the Holy Spirit comes down and saves him right there on the road. How could I not praise him in a midnight hour? A God that can find me in Damascus experience. Maybe Paul in that moment flips in his mind to what we call Acts chapter 14 when he's preaching and he sees a crippled man, the Bible says, who's never walked. And when he's preaching, he sees his faith and tells him to walk again. How could I not praise God in midnight hours? I know the God that I serve. How could you praise God, Paul? No doubt in his mind, he may have jumped back to just a few verses prior when he was stoned and left for dead. That many theologians today will argue the fact that maybe, just maybe, he was actually dead because the scripture teaches that the church gathered around him and he rose back up. They don't know if they prayed him back to life or they just nursed him back to health. Either way, I've come to tell you today, Paul knew in his heart, how could I not praise him? In just the verses prior, he sees a woman named Lydia saved. In just a few verses prior, he sees the demon-possessed girl set free. How can you praise in a place like this, Paul? Paul knows in his heart, how could I not praise God? After all he's done, after all his faithfulness, after all his saving grace, after all his saving power, if I die in this prison, he has done enough. Is there anybody know what I'm talking about? How can you praise God in a prison? How can you sing in the dark, Paul? The Bible lets us know that they sang praises. It's out loud, physicality involved. They were loud enough for other people to hear. And I believe a couple of points if you want to write these down. I think number one, praise can change perspective. Praise will make you transcend your current situation because the reality of it is you may not be able to change your situation but you can change your attitude about it it's like when I fly into the GTR that amazing airport <laughs> I do love it when you fly into GTR and you're coming in and you I don't know if those are like uh, all that water in a square what is that is it like a Catfish farm, yeehaw. <laughs> so there's a, there's, when you fly in up above them, they don't look that big, do they? Those catfish, catfish farms. <laughs> but when you get on the ground and your eye level, those things are much bigger than they are than when you have a higher elevation can I tell you today, that's what praise does. It elevates you above the situation. The situation doesn't have to change size if you can change the way you see it. If I could just get to a higher position when I praise, the Bible says, I look unto the hills whence cometh my help. I'm elevating my perspective when I'm praising God. And if I want peace in an anxious world, if I want to deal with the worry in my heart, I'm going to have to change the way I see it. Even if it don't change. Number two, praise can impact people. Praise can impact people. All the Bible says, all the prisoners heard them. 
all the prisoners, while Paul and Silas found themselves in a prison cell, the Bible says that all the prisoners listened in and heard their praise. Let me ask you a question. If your kids listened in to you, what would they hear? If, if your family was to stand up here today and say, this is what we hear at home, is it, is it negativity? Is it drama? Is it fear? Is it complaining? When they listen in, what do they hear? And I believe that much, a much different world for you and I could be possible if we were willing to just praise God, not just on Sundays. Some of us are really good on Sunday morning worship, Sunday morning praise. We like when the lights move. We like when the music's on. We like, but, but can I challenge you? Anybody can sing a tune on a clear day at noon. But if you can come in to your own situation at your own house and dealing with your crazy kids and you be like, you know what? God, I don't know what to do but tell you Thank you, I got two kids. Thank you, I got a husband. Thank you, I got a wife. Thank, I praise you for my house. I praise you for my car. And just take a moment that when you feel anxiety, instead of complaining, and the praise was so loud. I just love that. Because here's what I, oh, I'm so Pentecostal. God help me. Here's the thing. I don't think heaven's going to be quiet. I just don't think it is. The Bible says they circled the throne of God and they sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty forever. It's loud. People are celebrating. When you get to heaven, I'm pretty sure you're not going to walk in there and be like. <laughs> Only some of you know what I'm doing right there. You ain't going to walk into heaven like that. You're going to walk into heaven like, praise God, I made it by the blood of the Lamb. I made it by the word of my testimony. I'm glad to be here. I'm saved. I've been sanctified. Now I'm glorified. It's good to be in heaven. And I feel like earth should sound a little bit like heaven sometimes. The Bible says that at that praise party in the jailer, in the jail cell, the jailer was woken up. And the Bible says this, I don't know what they were singing, Pastor Tyson, but somewhere along the line, Paul started singing something and, and Silas joined in and, and then God came in with the bass. And all of a sudden, the earthquake started happening. And can you imagine being the jailer? Can you imagine being the other inmates? Wondering what is going on? And the Bible says immediately, everyone's bands were loosed. Watch this. The Bible says the jailer comes in and he says, like, they actually yelled out to him because jailer was gonna kill himself because at that time, if they got away, they, it was their life. So the jailer, before he let the Roman Empire take him out, he's gonna take himself out. And before he killed himself, the Bible says Paul yells out, hey, we all here. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the Bible says he ran in there, fell on his feet, fell on his knees. He just said, what must I do? I need to know this Jesus. I need this encounter. The Bible says he gives his life to Christ. And, and his whole family gets saved. Because praise can change people. Now, here's why I say that. Because it does something for me. It does something for me. When I come to church, and I get in a room full of people, and I look around, and I know some of your stories. I know some of you have dealt with setbacks and bankruptcies, and miscarriages, and difficulties, and you've been through prison cell after, pr I can look around this room and tell you story after story where I've sat with somebody or their wife and their husband and my wife and I together and they tell us horrid situations that no doubt would be midnight moments. But when I look out in the room and I see hands raised and I see tears flow and I see you singing, it encourages me that the God that was with you in the midnight hour as your pastor, I'm encouraged. And if he can be with them, he can be with me. Because praise can encourage other people. 
And not only that, the Bible says uh, that the earthquake happened. I think praise can change the place. Earthquake, the Bible says suddenly, immediately, that praise impacted the place they were in. And for thousands of years, hear me today, for thousands of years, our ancestors in the faith have gathered together under a few common things. We may not have always agreed on translations of the Bible. We may not always agreed on what day to meet. We may not have always agreed on what types of songs to sing. But at the end of the day, for thousands of years, we have gathered together to lift up the name of the Lord. Week after week, service after service, revival after revival, camp meeting after camp meeting, live stream after live stream, we have gathered together. When we come, we don't, oh listen, I've been to churches that didn't have any screens, but they had a whole lot of praise. I've been to churches that didn't have the instruments, but they had somebody with a tambourine and somebody with a footstone and somebody with a worship and somebody with a praise because real New Testament church is not predicated upon stuff. We are predicating our praise upon the goodness of our God. And in the midnight hour, we're going to praise him if, whether the sun is out or the moon is out. And I realized when I read the story you know, it's really fascinating when you read the story. The Bible lets us know that Paul and Silas, they imprisoned both of them. I think that's where they messed up, is when they put them together. Because the Bible says something like this, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to show up in the midst of that situation, and it's going to have a church service, and I'm going to show up my presence and my power is going to be in that place. I used to hear it like this, where the praises go up, the glory comes down. David said it like this. Oh, my goodness. Stop. you freaking me out. David said it like this. Let us magnify the Lord together. Let us magnify. Let us exalt his name together. In other words, something is different when we do it together. I just got to get in a room, and the room begins to shift, and the room begins to change, and, it, and it's like you hear shackles coming off in that corner. And it's almost like you hear chains falling over there. And it's just the anointing and the yokes are being destroyed. Why? Because somebody knows how to praise. And the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Here we go again. And when I come to a church like this, when I'm in an atmosphere like this, when I'm around people like you, I just get excited because I know that it's just not a regular church service at Vibrant Church. We don't want to just come in and check off the box. We don't want to come in and just make status connections and network with our business and look at the fine women and the fine men. We didn't come for all that. And y'all look real fine. But we didn't come to see each other. We came to magnify the name of the Lord because we know that when we give God glory, the anointing's gonna show up and the power's gonna come in and lives will be changed and hearts will be transformed. It's almost like an earthquake could happen. When midnight's moments, when midnight moments come, you and I have a decision to make. What are we gonna do? Are we going to find ourselves griping and complaining and laying here and wondering, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? You know, going through my mind, I don't know how I'm going to make it. You might as well bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. Here, here's what I want you to catch. You know, last week, last week, I was thinking about how Jesus went to, uh, to the garden and he prayed before he was crucified. Remember that? The first step to dealing with worry in an anxious world, Jesus goes and prays when he's under the greatest pressure of his entire life. He prays. Well, I was thinking about praising and I'm thinking, did Jesus praise? Did Jesus do this? Let me show you. Jesus with his disciples. Oh, this is so good. Jesus is with his disciples. He's on the 
the ending of his ministry. He's doing the Last Supper with everybody. And the Bible says this. He, he's just, he's just, he's, they just wrapped over the Seder meal. They, they, just, they just finished. The Bible says, Matthew 26, 30. They sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane. So he prays in the garden, but before he prayed in the garden, he praised in the upper room. Now stay with me. Well, what did he sing? What did he sing? Tradition teaches that when they would finish the Passover meal, they would sing Psalms 113 to Psalms 118. It's called the Hallel. Strong belief is that's what they sang. That was the tradition of the time, even to this day. Well, I got it in my Bible. I'm going to read Psalms 113, 114, 115, 116, 117. And when I got to 118, it was a scripture I've heard my whole life. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Wait a minute. Jesus, gee, okay. Judas has already gone out to get the soldiers. You are fully aware of the next step of your life is to give it up. They're about to beat you and mock you and scream at you and pull your beard from your face. And Jesus says, this is the day. This day? This is the day that, that, God, that God made and you're going, to, you're going to rejoice in it. The Bible says they sang. Facing his most difficult season of his life, he sang. Facing pain, he praised. Facing questions, he lifted up the name of the Lord. When he didn't know where to turn, when it was just about to wrap up his earthly ministry, can I tell you today, Jesus gives us biblical precedent. Paul and Silas give us biblical precedent to let us know that in dark moments, in midnight moments, when you're about to be hung on the cross, Jesus, when they're about to lock up the prison cell, Paul and Silas, when they're about to crucify you, Jesus, I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise. In midnight moments, I, I, I'm going to praise him. That's, that's what I want to challenge you with today as the worship team comes. Here, here's what I want to challenge you with today. I need you to sing in the dark. When the pressure's on, never stop lifting his name. Never stop honoring him. When the pressure's on and you find yourself in this place, it may be a weak praise. It may not be real confident. You may not feel like it's Sunday morning. It may not feel real anointed, but I've come to tell you today, if you could just honor him and say, you know what, God, this has been a hard day. I, I don't feel like it's Sunday morning. I'm just in my car with the kids screaming, but can I just tell you thank you? <laughs> can I just tell you I love you? Can I just tell you you're faithful? Can I just tell you that you're good? Can I tell you that your mercy endures forever? Can I just tell Because when I turn my attention upward, when I look at Niagara Falls, when I turn my attention and I stop worrying about me and I start looking at him, it's almost like worry starts falling off and the chains of depression start falling and anxiety starts falling off. It's almost like heaven meets me on earth. Here's what I want you to do. If you'll stand with us all over the room. Have you ever had to praise in the dark? Have you ever just said, God, I trust you? You didn't have a band. You didn't have no worship team. You didn't have a Pastor Ethan. You didn't have a church friend. You just had to worship him in the stillness of your house, in the darkness of your living room. Have you ever been there? You've been through some tough stuff, and all you had was God. All you had was worship. All you had was praise. So it's Pastor Tyson and the team. Here's what I want you to do. I don't know what midnight you're facing, but I want you to praise. I want you to praise. I want you to praise. I want you to push past every worry. We're going to leave. We're going to beat everybody to Cracker Barrel. Relax. But hear me today. Before we go get Cracker Barrel and get Grandmama's breakfast, 
with extra bacon. And apple butter with the biscuit. <laughs> That's my order. Hear me. Just letting you know if you want to bless me sometimes. <laughs> Hear me today. As Pastor Tyson and the team sing, right there where you are, why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you lift your voice? Why don't you just raise your hands? Tell yourself, I'm not looking at my situation. I know these chains are tight, and I know this cell is dark, but today, in the name of Jesus, I come to you in midnight hour. God, you see him right now, worshiping you in faith, not necessarily feeling like doing it, but they're going to praise you in the middle of the dark. Praise you in the middle of pain. Come on, church, sing it to heaven. service but you know I was thinking about midnight just now you know midnight don't last but 60 seconds
anybody who's been facing a midnight in your life and you say, Pastor, I love the sermon, but I still need prayer. Just meet me down here. Just come, come quick, come quick, come quick. Just come. Say, I'm in a midnight, I'm in a midnight, I'm in a midnight, I'm in a midnight. Come on, celebrate them as they come. I'm in a fight, I'm in a struggle. Come on, come on, I'll pray with you. Our church is going to pray. We're okay. We're okay. We're not leaving. We're not leaving. We're not leaving. We're going to hang out with you. Come on, I'm in a midnight. I've been fighting. I've been fighting. I've been fighting. I've been fighting. I've been standing my ground. I've been fighting. When I looked at you, I almost seen you going like this. I've been doing this for so long. I don't know how I'm going to make it. God says that you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Victory shall be yours. And the enemy you see today, the Bible says you'll see it no more. Come on, give God praise in the house. Come on, Pastor Tyson, sing. I want you to worship all over the front of this room. You tell Can God, you I'm going to praise him in a midnight hour. With all of the faith in the room, what the Lord can do, what the Lord can do. Hey, said he's going to happen just in the way he made it through. He's going to Sometimes when you're in the back of the room, you can't really see what God's doing in the front of the room. And I'll just tell you, he's just doing surgery. 
For those of you who can't see it, it's easy to not prioritize moments. It's easy to think, can we get on with this? This let can listen, we gave Pastor Tyson 25, 30 minutes. The worship team had their time. I preached. Sometimes we rush to do our thing when God wants to do his thing. Let God do his thing. You'll get out of here in time. But sometimes all we got is the altar. Sometimes all we have is praise. Sometimes all we have to hold on to is faith in God. When it's just dark, I need to know where to go. I, I don't know where to go. Sometimes when you don't know what to say and you don't know where to go, you do know what to do. And in dark moments, Kayla, how many times have you had to call on his name and say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless that little baby right there. Oh, now you're going to stop crying. What's that baby's name? Makari, Makari, be blessed. Be blessed. Favor of God on you. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we pray in the name of Jesus, every soul that came to this altar, every person in this room, every person joining us online. Father, I speak today faith to praise in dark places. I pray, God, that when they don't know what to do, and they don't know where to go, like Paul and Silas in prison, and Jesus on the way to Garden of Gethsemane. They will just lift up the name of the Lord. Their praise for you will ever live on from this place. I pray in Jesus' name that worship will come out of them on Monday and Tuesday and on Wednesday and on lunch break on Thursday. Let them get out of the car and think about your goodness on Friday. Let them get in the house of God on Sunday. Oh, don't forget about Saturday. Let them bless God on Saturday. And when they come in on Sunday, let praise be at a new place and worship be at a new position. God, I speak that over our church. Our church will not be afraid to praise our God. Will not be afraid to lift our hands. Will not be afraid to call on the name of the Lord and we thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said